Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. I'm Al Warren, and of course, joining me today is Joe Usinski. Hey, Al, how are you doing? It's a really important day today. Um, They are releasing the uh, slightly redacted uh, report. Um, about R- Russia's involvement in the election and Mueller's investigation into it. So it's it's very exciting for political junkies, and uh, I'm excited to talk about that more today with our guest. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 about ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever whatever the 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 thing is, uh, it sure it's sure been the whole the last two years has been nothing but this. So um, now. Our guest, his book, I, I like the title and I like the idea behind it. Um, it's called Real News, and it's an investigative reporter unco- under- <laughs> undercovers the foundations of the Trump-Russia conspiracy. Uh, Scott Stedman is the author, and thank you for taking the time to join us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Scott, I want to get into you to start with. Um, first of all... Um, you know, uh, you're 23 years old, um, and I bet you get this a lot. Uh, how does someone so young get into something so deep and so major so quickly in their life? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question and kind of one I don't have a great answer for. Um, so when I started doing this, I was 21. I was a senior at UC Irvine. Um, and basically, after the first indictment came down on George Papadopoulos in uh, the fall of 2017, I found that the 
and let me just preface this by saying I think the media as a whole is doing an amazing job, and um, especially with this scandal, it's it's so hard to keep track of um, everything. But as a whole, they've done a great job. But I found that the investigative journalism side of the story wasn't really being uh, hammered as hard as maybe like the clickbaity headlines. Um, and I, as a as a 21 year old was able to find information about uh, George Papadopoulos that uh, disproved the Trump team's claims that he was just a coffee boy and um, he didn't have much of a role on the campaign. So I kind of just, you know, I sent some sent some tips to news organizations um, and when they either didn't get back to me or didn't find the interest, I kind of just started my own thing, um, started my own blog and it grew organically from there. So, okay. Now, you, um, I noticed you, you sort of, um, I think, if I'm right, you take the stand that um, the media is, is is really biased right now, and you're kind of representing real news, like real journalism, and not being biased, or you're trying to be, right? Yeah. The one of the main overarching themes of the book and of my work in general is. Um, I see. I, I think there needs to be a shift in the way that investigative journalism is done right now. Um, a lot of it now is based on uh, background sources, anonymous sources, which are uh, very important in some cases and definitely necessary. Um, but I'd like to see a return to journalism with hard, you know, black and white evidence with. With the book in particular, I have you know a lot of documents, business documents, banking documents. Um, so, so I'd like to see a return sort of to um, evidence that that readers can kind of grasp and hold on to and hold in their hands. And I think that's a way to uh, you know combat some of the fake news cries that you hear um, from the president and and a lot of people around him. So what is your overall conclusion? So we have the report coming out today. Um, what's the big finding? Um, so if we go to your book, what are we going to find out that uh, we, we might not have known before? Well, you're going to find out a lot more color about – I haven't read the entire report yet. Um, I woke up and read about 50 pages of it so far. Um, but you're going to find a lot of color on the stuff that Mueller talks about in the report. Um, uh, there's at least a big chunk in the Mueller report about Papadopoulos and his contacts. Um, and of course, of course I have a big chapter on that in my book. Um, Mueller also talks about, uh, of course, the Trump tower meeting, um, which is another topic I touch on in my book. So th the two documents kind of, uh, parallel each other as far as I can tell so far. Um, so I, I like to think of the book as kind of like a nice reference to, um, to understanding the complete picture of these situations that Mueller describes in, in the redacted report. So do you think that the Trump campaign conspired with Russia to, you know, rig the election in some way? I, I, I trust Mueller in, in, in the fact that he couldn't establish a criminal conspiracy um, but just based on what I've read so far, a lot of it is due to the fact that 
there was no cooperation from a lot of these people. Um, Paul Manafort used encrypted application to dis- destroy his messages, and then he didn't cooperate. Uh, and he's obviously a key figure in this. Uh, Mueller says in the report that he couldn't ascertain what Carter Page was actually doing in Moscow um, in the middle of the 2016 election. So uh, the report, from what I've read so far, um, no, it doesn't establish a criminal conspiracy uh, to uh, for members of the Trump campaign to be involved with the Russian effort to influence the election. Um, but there's certainly a lot of suspicious activity, and um, perhaps if, if more of these people cooperated, then they might have um, brought more charges. So do you believe that the Trump campaign conspired with Russia to rig the election? I mean, we know what, what, what Mueller was able to prove and not prove, um, but where does that lead you? I mean, what, what what would you tell the readers of your book they should believe? I would say I I don't make judgments in the book. I lay out the facts that I've found and that have been gathered from major news organizations. Um, to answer your question, though, um, no, we don't have direct proof that there was uh, an agreement between the Trump campaign and the Russian government to uh, to swing the election. What we do have is a lot of situations where the president and his team were, were certainly compromised by the lies they told about their contacts with the Russians, um, and that's something that the Russian government could hold over their heads and and likely did in in the first months of the Trump White House. So so. Is it the case that you believe that Russia was somehow blackmailing the Trump campaign with some sort of information? Uh, they certainly had enough material. I talk about in my book uh, the the Trump Tower meeting by itself, uh, the fact that John, Don Jr. was so eager to accept dirt on Clinton from a foreign adversary, and the fact that that story didn't come out for, for more than a year after um, after the meeting took place. So we have a situation where the Russian government knew this explosive story about Donald Trump Jr., about Jared Kushner, about Paul Manafort, um, that they theoretically could hold over the heads of, of those people and, okay. and the entire Trump campaign. And there's, there's many instances of that, not just the Trump Tower meeting. Um, there, there's a few instances of where the media didn't know something about Russian contacts for a very long time, and the Russian side of, uh, of the equation did. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of material there. Whether they did blackmail or not, I can't I can't you know, confirm or explain that. Uh, um, but they certainly had enough material to do so. Now, how much do the Russians get involved in American campaigns? Do you think they had? contact with the Clinton campaign or the Sanders campaign or the campaigns of other Republicans? I mean, why Why just Trump? It's a good question. Um, and yeah, of course, I admit that, you know, the, the Russians are all, always trying to get involved, whether they had specific contacts with, with Clinton or, or Sanders or anyone else. I, I, I haven't seen any, any proof of that. Um, what I will say, though, is that Countries around the world do do try to meddle. We can't <laughs> we can't deny that. That's the thing that happens. Um, the difference here being that they don't usually Russia in particular. They don't usually find a very willing partner on the other side of the equation. 
you know, usually when these things happen, you go to the FBI and you tell you that you, you tell them that uh, foreign governments trying to help with the Trump campaign. They were uh, very eager for the help, and that's something that uh, countries don't often find when they're when they're meddling. So do you? So what do you think was going on with the Trump campaign at this time? So they take a meeting with a Russian um, agent, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And and is it because they don't know what's illegal? Is it because they do and they're going to do it anyway? Is it because they were just inexperienced and had just had never run a campaign before and just had no clue what they were doing? Um, what do you think was going on there? I do think that's part of it. I mean, look, we all we all saw that campaign. It was very disorganized. People on the inside even say you know they couldn't have colluded with their own team. Um, so so part of that is is the truth, but um, on the same side of things, ignorance of the law isn't a good defense. <laughs> um, so I think, I don't know, you can you can make the judgment legally, and Mueller has decided that there wasn't a criminal conspiracy um, in regards to the election effort with Russia, um, but there's also the question of like the ethical and moral <laughs> um, questions of looking looking for help from a a foreign government that's not necessarily friendly yeah. um, to beat your your democratic rival well when this investigation began what do you think was driving it i mean now that we found out that you know there's really i mean we can interpret this one of two ways right one that there was no collusion or conspiracy and the other that there could have been but we just don't know Right. I mean, the Mueller report doesn't rule out that it could have happened. Um, right. But then I again, I, I, I mean, in, in any criminal trial, we don't rule people innocent. We just say guilty or not. Correct. Which is very different. Right. I wouldn't say that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I wouldn't say that um, there might be there might have been collusion, but we don't know. I would say there might have and I hate the word collusion. Um, <laughs> there might be a. Uh, criminal conspiracy that we didn't know, but more likely there might be a conspiracy um, that Mueller couldn't prove. And it goes back to the point that I said earlier. We, we couldn't figure out what Carter Page was doing in, in Russia. We couldn't figure out what Paul Manafort was discussing on his phone. So um, from what I've read so far, I think that it's just there's there's a lack of evidence and cooperation to bring actual criminal charges here. But do you th so? Let me ask you again. Do you think that the criminal conspiracy happened, and that they just can't get the evidence to show it? I mean, I, I can't give you an answer, yes or no, either way. Um, I okay. think there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of evidence. I try to lay out in the book. You know, the the money trail, the black and white evidence. Um, but I am not in a position to tell you. You know, and if Mueller couldn't establish it. Uh, directly and without, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, then I um, I accept that finding. Um, but I do believe that people were more cooperative, and um, you know, we'll see. There's uh, in the in the report, there's a note that Mueller referred 12 separate investigations to different offices. Um, so there's certainly a lot of uh, ongoing investigations, and I wouldn't be surprised to see more charges, maybe not directly related to a criminal conspiracy with the election, um, but perhaps with uh, some shady financial dealings or even 
some bribery we see with the Trump Tower Moscow situation and the offering of a free uh, $50 million penthouse to President Putin. So I think there's there's certain charges that still can come, um, and and we'll have to wait for the 12 uh, separate investigations right now uh, underway. So a lot of this started because people were very upset after the outcome of the 2016 election, uh, particularly those on the left. They were angered and dismayed and anxious, and I think a lot of them turned to a lot of conspiracy theories as a way to solve their wounds. And mm-hmm. this whole Russia meddling thing just sort of got blown up. And I think it happened with the help of Hillary Clinton, who sort of pushed this idea that that Trump was a Putin pawn and our intelligence apparatus was deathly frightened of Trump. And they um, put out a lot of reports that may have, you know, gone beyond the evidence or taken taken evidence out of context initially. Um and then everyone got whipped up into this thing, thinking that we had a president who was a Manchurian candidate. Now, do you think that, I mean, do you think a lot of this was just psychological? I mean, if we can't find the crime there, is it possible that this was all just a a fevered conspiracy theory? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to push back a little bit on you um, in terms of this was, you know, hysteria from the Democrats for losing. Uh, We have two key main events that happened in 2016 before any votes were cast that warranted in my eyes and I think the eyes of um, most most of the American public we have a foreign policy advisor to Trump, George Papadopoulos Mm -hmm. being told in April of 2016 that the Russians have thousands of emails on Hillary Clinton and um, they're damaging and they're going to do this they're going to release them to help Trump that's what a Trump foreign policy advisor was told by um, what we know what we now know to be a, a Maltese Russian cutout who had high high level contacts with, with the Russian government. So uh, I'd like to remind people that that's how the investigation started. You know, a Trump foreign policy advisor was was told that Russia, Russia had uh, Hillary's emails, um, and also we had a separate foreign policy advisor flying to Moscow in the middle of the election. Um, and meeting with senior government officials. Um, so we have these two events that, in my eyes, certainly warrant an investigation. So did uh, they begin investigating at that point before the election? Yes, the FBI opened their investigation in late July of 2016 um, after they learned that Papadopoulos um, had that information. And how did they? And how did they know that Papadopoulos had that? Did they? Um, were they spying so they were, on uh, were they spying on conversations that Trump's campaign team were having at that point? No, they weren't. They uh, so Papadopoulos actually told the Greek Foreign Minister about this that uh, that Russia had Hillary's emails, and he also had a meeting which uh, with the uh, an Australian diplomat named Alexander Downer um, over drinks in London in uh, in 2016. And he told Downer about the emails that Russia had on Hillary. And subsequently, um, we've, we've learned from media reporting that Downer, Downer, who's, um, obviously friendly to the United States, he's an Australian guy, um, he told our intelligence agencies about that conversation. Um, and so that's how the FBI learns that Papadopoulos knew about the emails. Okay. So what, so were these emails in question? Are these the emails that, um, 
came out right before the DNC convention that sort of showed that um, the DNC might have had their thumb on the scale for Hillary Clinton? So that's an unanswered question, and it might be in in the Mueller report. I haven't read it yet um, okay. completely. But um, we, we don't know which specific emails um, that Maltese professor Misted was referring to. Um, were there, were no, there ever emails that came out that were really that damaging on their own, or just emails came out and people had to sort of spin them into whatever they wanted them to be, to be damaging? A little bit of both. I mean, if you look at some of the uh, John Podesta emails, the Clinton campaign chairman, um, that were hacked by the Russian military intelligence, um, these emails were selectively released, of course, by WikiLeaks in in ways that, um, in spurts, I guess you, you could say, that were designed to help Trump and hurt Hillary the most. So, yes, I think any American can concede that there was some... Uh, some nefarious information in those emails in terms of uh, uh, perhaps putting their finger on the scale for Clinton over Sanders. Um, yes, we have to admit that, but we also have to recognize that these emails were stolen by a foreign government, um, mm. and that's a very, very serious computer crime, and um, the contents of, of said emails, um, and at least in my eyes, are secondary to the very serious crime that that occurred that occurred by uh, Russia breaking into the DNC and to John Podesta's email account. So, do you think that Trump ordered those emails to be stolen, or they happened prior to any contact with the Trump campaign? No, I don't think we have any evidence that Trump ordered anything. Um, we know that he was kept abreast of the update from uh, from Roger Stone. In regards to the WikiLeaks drops, we know he was briefed about it. We um, we know he certainly said public comments about how much he loved WikiLeaks. Um, but there's no no there's no evidence that Trump ordered any of this or um, that he was directly involved with the hacking at all. Okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. So, so where should we go from here? I mean, should all Americans read this report? And if they do, where do you think it's going to lead them? Are we going to understand more or are we going to just be left with more questions? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd encourage everyone to read it. Um, I'm certainly going to read it a few times. Um, and where we go from here is I think we have to look to the future, right? I mean, we haven't done much to protect our 2020 election system. Um, you know, and next time it could be a different government that wants to help the Democrats. So I think, the, you know, this is an American thing. And I, I write about this a little bit in the preface of my book. Um, you know, we should all be united in saying, hey, we're Americans. We're the only ones that should decide you know, influence, um, decide who who becomes president and who we elect. Um, I think that's a, a, a very common cause that we can all come around in this, you know, super divided, divided era. So, so now, what specifically would you be looking for in the Mueller report? For me, I'm going to be looking for... A, how much is redacted and what I saw today, there's a lot of redactions on the basis of grand jury information. Um, so I'd like to see um, the attorney general request that information from the district courts, which is, you know, there, there's precedent for that. Um, let the court decide if the grand jury information can be released. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing that I'm looking for is uh, actually what's not in the report, because, you know, like I said, we know that Mueller has referred uh, 12 different uh, lines of inquiry that he, he stumbled upon that um, maybe he didn't see was in his scope that he referred to other offices. So I'm looking for what's not in the report, um, what I researched um, that didn't show up there that might give us a clue as to um, some of the ongoing investigations and where they may lead. So w after investigating this, this whole conspiracy or this whole um, thing that happened. Um, what's your trust factor now on both the Dems and the Republicans? And what do you think uh, Americans should think about the next election coming up? I mean, certainly I grew up with, and this is, you know, a commentary on the media too. My generation grew up not, uh, not knowing who to trust in the media because everything is so biased these days. Um, so a big goal of mine in um, whatever little influence I have at this point, <laughs> I don't want to sound overzealous, but um, a big goal of mine is to just say, hey, let's, you know, let's get back to the facts. Um, I, I'm optimistic in thinking that the American people like to see hard evidence and, you know, they're not too interested in these, in these clickbaity headlines. Um, so I'd like to, you know, create a media that's, Objective. <laughs> I know it seems idealistic right now, um, but there was a time in history where we had fact tellers. You know, we had the Walter Cronkites of the world um, without necessarily showing their political slant. 
So, you know, going back to your, your question, my trust in both parties is, is not too high right now. Um, I certainly think that the Democrats have a, a better grasp on the facts when it comes to the Russia investigation. Um, and, and the Republicans have, at every step of the way, in my eyes, um, tried to interfere with this election and, and um, make it cloudy and throw dirt and really ob- obfuscate the facts. So, um, yeah, my trust level is low at this point, but I'm optimistic, and I, I hope my uh, my work can be somewhat of a roadmap for, for people to follow in terms of um, letting the facts go where they take you and not drawing too many conclusions based uh, on what you know and not extrapolating um, because that's, you know, it, like like you said, that's where we get into conspiracy lands. And the far left has certainly as much uh, conspiracy theory on the left as as the right does. Um, so there's definitely both sides to blame for that. Well, so, so what do you think the media should do? Uh, because, they're, you know, we're all paid for people. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's pretty tough. To, uh, um, you know, I mean, Fox is definitely left and NBC's right and or the other way around. Whoops. Yeah, other way. Um, yeah, other way around. <laughs> yeah, it's like wow. Um, so, what I mean, you know, wh- where do we go from here? It's hard. It seems like each news organization that comes up is either one or the other, and all the internet-based yep, ones you ca- you can't really trust. You don't know where they're getting their information from. Exactly, and that's uh, I 100% agree with you. I it's gotten to the point now for me where I don't really watch cable news anymore at all or any news on TV, um, I find it to be just, you know, a Republican yelling at a Democrat about an issue and, and nothing gets resolved. <laughs> um, it's, it's a useless and um, venture in my eyes to see, you know, just a Republican bickering with a Democrat. And um, so where do we go from here? I think, you know, I've mentioned this before, you got to present, uh, it's incumbent upon journalists to present their evidence to the reader and not um, not have this veil of secrecy between what the journalist knows um, and what the reader actually sees. So I'd like to see journalists print, you know, uh, print these documents that they're basing their articles on and, and publish them. I'd like to see journalists uh, maybe uh, try a little bit harder to convince sources to go on the record, or at least on background in explaining what they do and where they're from. Um, so I think there's steps that journalists can take to sort of alleviate the, the lack of trust that everyone has right now. Um, and I think that path forward is uh, show the reader what you have, print what you have, and um, lift this sort of uh, cloud of secrecy that you know, journalists know more than the American people. Um, let's, let's print everything that you have um, while at the same time, of course, protecting sources. And um, and people that may be in harm's way, of course, you have to protect those people. Um, but let's see everything that you have, and I think that'll um, slowly but surely, hopefully, bring some trust back to uh, journalism and investigative journalism as a whole. Yeah. Do you ever think the uh, unredacted report will will be available to people, or do you think it'll be hidden forever? I think it'll be hidden for a long, 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 long time, probably like 50 years plus from the public. Um, I mean, we see files today, like from the JFK era being unredacted. So I think that's something that'll happen here. Um, I do think that Congress, though, especially the House Intelligence and Judiciary Committees, 
should have the full report um, without redactions and all the underlying documents. They're an equal branch of government. There's no reason for them to not have all of that. You know, they have the highest security clearance. We we elect them to deal with intelligence matters, very sensitive matters. So they should have the full report, in my eyes, no no questions asked. You know it would be public, leaked immediately if, if Congress got their hold their their hands on it. I mean that's <laughs> I mean they know that if you yeah. give it to Congress it's, a, it's essentially a, a public release. You can make that argument, but I would push back and say that they're an equal branch of government, and regardless of leaks, yes, um, I think we should be harsher on those who leak. Let's have investigations on you know sensitive matters like at least that's a that, that's a huge deal. Um, but I don't think we're at a point where we want to cede you know the third branch of government from from their power. I think you know we got to keep the the three branches separate and equal, right? And that's what the founders wanted. I think we got to stay true to that. So um, let's have Congress, you know, fulfill their their obligation. I don't think leaks should uh, be in the way of of that very fundamental uh, process that we have in this in our amazing country. So, should we continue to follow this? Um, should we gather more evidence? I mean, would 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 the Mueller report be better if we said, okay, here's what we have now, but we're going to keep going for a few more years till we find something else? I mean, do you think the conclusion would change as more evidence is gathered and more time goes by, or do you think that this sort of is what it is? I think it's unlikely in terms of um, establishing a criminal conspiracy between the hacking and the Trump campaign. Um, I do believe it's fruitful, though, to, to for Congress and others to keep investigating. Um, is this president compromised? I mean, we have a lot of information showing that. Um, I think there's important investigations that um, are ongoing that aren't related to Russia. Um, we have, you know, we have offers of help in the campaign that I write about a little bit from from the UAE and from the Saudi government that I can only assume got spun off to a different office and they're still investigating. Um, so to answer your question, I, I do think it's fruitful to keep investigating, keep, keep pulling on threads, um, but I don't think that it's going to lead to, at the end of the day, enough to bring a criminal conspiracy charge against Trump. Um, no, but I do think it's important to investigate what exactly still happens uh, in 2015 and 2016, and more importantly, what the hell can we do to make sure it never happens again and that only Americans decide who becomes president. Do you think that the the Russian interference actually interfered in any way? Do you think the campaign would have been different without, you know, the, the small amount of fake news and the couple of leaks that they supposedly um, instigated? I mean, would, would things have turned out differently, do you think, or would, would the campaigns have been significantly better if Russia hadn't been involved? I think it would have been... I mean, we have to remember Trump won by, what was it, 90,000 votes in, in the three key swing states. Mm-hmm. So um, if you if you think that the, the drip, drip, drip of the emails caused any impact at all, which I think any observer of the 2016 election would say, yeah, you know, the media covered those emails a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time every time WikiLeaks dropped something, it was on uh, it was on CNN immediately. So, yes, I do think um, the the emails and the hacking had some impact. 
Do I think that's the only reason that Hillary Clinton lost the election? No. Um, but I do think that it definitely had an impact on public opinion. And it's, it's certainly not a big jump to say, hey, 90,000 people were swayed by, by these damaging emails that the media was covering every second of the day. So, uh, yeah, there was an impact. But, no, I wouldn't say that's the only thing that caused Clinton to lose. I mean, I think the, the campaign was so nasty anyway. And there was going to be so much fake news and so much gibberish um, that, frankly, it didn't. I, I don't think any one thing really had any effect. I mean, I, w- I would like to think, oh, geez, if we just keep the Russians out, we'll have these wonderful presidential elections. But we've had terrible elections and terrible campaigns since the beginning of the republic. Um, so I, I have to wonder how much of an impact they have. And a lot of political scientists don't think that it really amounted to anything. Yeah, I think you have to remember, I mean, going back to the question of like the, I think we can both agree, right, that Americans should be the only one um, influencing opinion, opinion on election, mm-hmm. right? I think that's common ground that everyone can agree on. Um, so on principle alone, we have to get these foreign governments out of our, out of our election process. We have to safeguard our uh, voter registration rules, our voting systems. Um, we can argue about the impact of, of Russia's effect in 2016, and we'll probably have a different opinion on that. Um, but I think we can all sort of come together and say, hey, this is for Americans to decide. Um, yes, I do believe the Russian effort had a, uh, a significant impact, not, not enough to, um, on its own, swing the election based on the fake news that they portrayed and the hacking of the emails. Um, but in my view, it certainly had an impact um, uh, on on swaying people a from from Hillary, not only not voting for Hillary, but swaying Bernie Sanders supporters to, in fact, cross over and vote for Trump. So, what do you think could be done for next time? I mean, we want to clean things up, um, but mm-hmm. what can we do? Is it strictly on Facebook? Do we need government regulation of social media? Do we need um, you know, from what I, what I understand, a lot of the people engaging in this fake news are, are my grandparents. I mean, do we have to keep an eye on grandma and grandpa and make sure they're, they're, they're more media literate? Is that the issue? I don't think that's the right plan to go forward. Um, look, look, I think we need – Facebook has proved time and time again that they're not at all capable of regulating themselves. Um, it seems like every week there's a story about how they sold – my data and your data and my messages to the highest bidder um, w- without our permission at all. And that's totally unacceptable. So I do think we need some regulation in terms of the big tech companies. Um, but I also think there's like pr- pretty practical changes we can make in terms of how we vote. Um, I'm an advocate for going back to paper, paper ballots. Um, there's, you know, Russia can't hack into paper ballots. <laughs> Um, it, it, it's a very, it's a hey, long do you want to bet? way. To <laughs> <laughs> we'll get funny. the, uh, the Russian hanging chads, I guess, next time. <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of overblown anyway, but, uh, you know, uh, when I vote in Canada, when I, it's, it's done on paper ballots still. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense, right? It makes the most sense. Uh, it's the most secure. So I think that's a, a simple solution that'll help a little bit of the problem. Yeah, and recycled paper. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. Help the environment too. Yeah. Wow. So, and now, and the last thing I wanted to ask about is, what do you think about Julian Assange? Like, um, why didn't they question him? And uh, what do you think he has for information? So it's an interesting situation. I mean, as a journalist, I understand the argument that prosecuting anyone that appears to be a journalist is a horrible move. But I think if you look at what Assange is actually alleged to do, uh, there, there's no way you can call him a journalist at that point. I mean, if you read the indictment that came down a week or two ago on Assange, um, he was helping Chelsea Manning uh, break into U.S. government systems and trying trying to crack uh, passwords and everything like that. That's not something a journalist does. Um, and I think that's something that everyone has to mention when uh, when discussing Assange. Um, there, there's no way you can put him in the category of journalist. Now, in terms of what he knew about the 2016 election, uh, he certainly got his organization, which is largely run by him. It's, it's mainly a, a one-man crew, WikiLeaks. Um, but they, they received the stolen emails from the Russian government in one way or another. Um, so I think there might be, if, if Assange ever um, ever makes his way to the U.S., ever gets extradited, um, I think there's an important line of inquiry there in terms of who he and WikiLeaks talked to with the Russian government and what was their goal in um, in selectively leaking the Clinton emails. And at the same time, we've learned that they've had uh, they had leaked emails on the Kremlin and the Russian government that they did not publish at the same time. So I think these are questions you can ask Assange, um, and I'd certainly like to get the answer under oath um, when he eventually gets to to, to the states to face uh, face his charges. What kind of response are you getting? <laughs> like, what kind of a, an, a reaction are you getting to the book and? Um on social media or wherever you're out and about yeah it's been it's been very positive so far um people like to see you know it's my it's my main theory that i'm kind of testing people like to see hard evidence without a bunch of conclusions and without a bunch of extrapolating um and i did my best i mean everyone has deep down everyone has a political bias we can't we cannot argue with that um but i did my very best to just present the facts as I found them. Um, and, you know, if you look, if you take a look at my Twitter, I'm happy to call out Democrats. Um, I've been looking into um, Joe Biden's son's Ukraine connections recently. It are very troubling. Um, and I've called out Democrats many times for taking R- Russian linked money for campaigns. So um, I think my credibility has been established a little bit in terms of um, not being a partisan um, overtly. And I hope you know, that's it, that's been the main feedback that I've gotten from the book is that um, it's refreshing to see just the facts. Um, but of course, there's 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 been my fair share of trolls, <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, definitely got my uh, fair share of punches thrown in there. But uh, I think the book speaks for itself, and um, encourage everyone to check it out and uh, make their own conclusions. Yeah, are you going to continue with this line of work? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very interested in national security as a whole, um, so I don't think I'm I'm not going to be a one-trick pony in terms of only the Russia angle of this. Um, but I do enjoy um, the investigative journalism uh, cross section with the national security, 
um, and, and even terrorism studies and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, 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 I envision myself sticking around uh, the investigative journalism world for the near future, yeah, even if it's not directly Russia-related. Wow, very interesting. Um, well, uh, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I've enjoyed it, and I uh, really uh, pr- we have your book online. Do you have any contact information you want people to have, or a website or anything? Yeah, uh, just my Twitter is my main thing right now, at Scott M. Stedman, and you can find the book pretty much anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, um, and also support your uh, local independent bookstore. Fantastic. We have copies we'll have, there as well. Yeah, we'll have it up on our website as well, so people listening through the web or go to the site, one click and you can purchase the book. Again, the book is called Real News. Our guest has been Scott Stedman. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for the time. I, I appreciate the conversation. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.